settings and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 117, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. And Paul, you're, this is the first time we've done a show where we can see each other on the yes. call. <laughs> and it look, you made me laugh. It's, this, is, this is dangerous. It was bad enough when we were just hearing each other, but now we can make faces at each other. We're in real trouble. Yeah, well, I tend to make a face even when I'm not trying. <laughs> I also have this problem. I have, I, I have resting jerk face, I am told. So how are you doing over there in the land of the grand renovation? Uh, we're getting there, slowly but surely. We now have uh, sockets on the walls and uh, our lights now all work independently um because did i tell you that um if you turned one particular light on four came on (laughs) i mean it's efficient well yeah if you turn the hall on uh the kitchen and both bedrooms would come on and if you turn the hall off they'd all go off oh jesus which apparently the landlord was not aware of so i don't know what the previous tenants enjoyed from that particular setup but He's very kindly fixed that for us as well, along with everything else. So, uh, yes, the, the uh, painters arrive tomorrow. Um, we've had trees cut down this week, plasterers. Um, so, yes, onwards and upwards. New alarm fitted. It's all good. Oh, that's fantastic. The light thing reminds me of back when I used to work. Um, I worked as a shipper receiver in a, a pathology lab. And mm. so the, the lab itself was, it's here in Victoria, and it's in a building that was once a... Uh, uh, a hospital for elderly people. I don't know if it was a home specifically, but it was a kind of hospital. And the warehouse downstairs where all the cell packs and things like this were kept, uh, it, that's where the morgue used to be. Mm. And I didn't know this. And then one day, or one night rather, I was, because they had a free gym for employees. And so I would go work out there at you know, two in the morning. Mm. And the, the night guard then informed me that this is in fact, that area is the morgue. So then one day I was down there working very much in my head that I was in the morgue when all of a sudden all the lights went off <laughs> and I nearly shit my pants. <laughs> and then I discovered that that used to be one large room. And so there is a light switch in another part of the basement. And yes. so it wasn't Satan. It was just someone who hit the wrong light switch. But for a second there, Paul, I was about ready to head back to church. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that shows you the dangers of using gyms. <laughs> that's, that's, just, just don't do it. No, exactly. Just go for a big walk instead. <laughs> well, I mean, as we were discussing off air, I've been doing that quite a bit during the pandemic. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, recently I decided that, you know what? Uh, well, okay, I didn't decide. My car died, which I've mm. had for about 11 years now, just became, you know, uh, too expensive to fix relative to its resale value. And by I say resale value, what I would have to pay someone to take it. <laughs> so I've, I've taken it off the road. Uh, but this means I've had to switch gyms because um, my old gym was, you know, it was about a five, 10 minute drive. Obviously that's not realistic anymore. So I, I needed to find something in my neighborhood. And so I've gone back to, to my old gym and it's in the basement of a hotel. 
very, very simple place. But when I first started working out there heavy, you know, before I really started lifting heavy, um, you know, there were some guys there and I would look around and think, man, these guys, these are some, these are big guys. This is impressive stuff. And then I moved downtown to this other gym, which is probably one of the last like iron worker gyms in town, if not the last one. Mm. And some of the shit I saw there was like seeing mythological creatures up close. It, it was, it was like watching David versus Goliath. If mm. Goliath was on steroids, it, it was just <laughs> an incredible display of narcissism, but incredible yeah. all the same. Mm. And so, of course, now that I've gone back to this this place, which is really more of a health club than it is a weightlifting gym, hmm. um, I have the advantage of perspective because now absolutely no one there is impressive. <laughs> and nothing will propel you through a workout faster than sizzling white hot contempt for everyone around you. Yep. So, and especially the guys who, who sort of uh, are like really flexing in the mirror and really making a show of it. It's like being caught naked under harsh light with an erection. You just look silly. <laughs> you know, a long time ago, I saw this picture of a guy, a bodybuilder, and he was, he was flexing nude in front of a mirror and he had an erection. And it was the stupidest thing that has ever happened. A lot of people don't know the universe ended the day he took that photograph because the <laughs> dumbest moment had been achieved and it, we could go for no further. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. That's an image I didn't expect to take from this week's episode. So thank you. Well, there's a lot of unexpected things on this week's episode, Paul, so what the hell? It's full of surprises. <laughs> that's right. All right, well, that's, that's enough about nude men and erections. Thank we have God. A, <laughs> we have a wonderful lineup of ghost stories for you guys. But first, we'd like to thank the folks who keep the lights going on this crazy train, our patrons. This one's for the patrons. Patrons, you are the absolute greatest. You are the Rocky to our Adrian, or the Adrian to our Rocky. Whichever you want to be, it's a, it's a new world, and, well, what the hell, we're not that picky. Most of all, though, we just want to say thank you, because, again, this show doesn't exist without our patrons. And so we'd like to thank you all, but we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are... Mara Noriega. Chi. Jill S. And Danny Peterson. Thank you so, so much from the bottom of our terrible, terrible hearts. We can never tell you how much we truly appreciate it. If you want to find out how to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys or listen to the end of the show and we'll tell you about all the cool stuff you get when you join. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Welcome back. As we said before the break, we have a great lineup of stories for you. And this episode, they are all listener stories. 
and they are all recent arrivals, and there's some really, really cool stuff in there. It kind of runs the range from, you know, happy and reassuring to, oh shit, I better move. And and I love anything that uh, that can do that for me because, <laughs> well, you know, I'm a complex man, Paul, and I like to be both pampered and terrified in the same breath. It's a curse of being Italian, I think. Yes, yes, very much so. So before we get started, I wanted to, um, we're going to read a, a piece of feedback we got. And it's kind of a story, but kind of not, which is why we're reading it here, because it deals with something that we've talked about on the show quite a bit, uh, which, and of course, we've been told has been talked about a ton on Timothy Renner's podcast, Strange Familiars. And so we, I wanted to share this because it, again, I think just bears some, some discussion outside of the usual context. And it, it's from Carolyn. And Carolyn says, I just want to tell you, I love the show. I've been listening for a while now, and I always enjoy it. Well, thank you. I know I'm a little late to the party on this, but the Plaid People episode really resonated with me. I think I saw one of these people when I was around 18 years old. I was sleeping at a friend's house after hanging out with some friends. I woke up in the early morning hours when it was still very dark outside and looked up from where I was laying on the couch, wearing red plaid button-up overalls. He had on a black cap and his eyes were completely black. The most disturbing part that has never left me is that he looked human but very obviously wasn't. He didn't have a nose. It was as if he put on a skin suit that didn't quite work for him. Almost like a Halloween mask that's pretty good but doesn't really fool anyone. The whole thing sounds totally crazy, I know. I ended up basically just pulling the covers over my head and falling back asleep. I was absolutely terrified and I never stayed at her house again. I still have no clue what he was doing or what his intentions were. It didn't feel good, but it didn't feel overtly malevolent either. He seemed to be watching me, as if he was curious, and maybe even surprised that I saw him. I know this message is super long. I apologize for that. You never have, no one ever has to apologize for that. I swear to you, it, you never have to apologize. Never. <laughs> if you guys have any clue what it could have been that I saw, please let me know. Keep up the good work. That's pretty strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never, I've heard that like uh, ill-fitting skin suit thing before, but always in connection to the men in black. Hmm. Yeah, very true. There's some, some of my favorite ones that are, are the ones that basically seem to be some kind of weird robot <laughs> pretending yeah, to yeah, be yeah, a yeah. human. Or the, there was a guy, I think it was one of Keel's stories, where the guy seemed to have a pill that he desperately needed to take. Mm. Um, and he was asking for water and then he was sweating. It was, yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was one of those, is it, was it Flatwoods? Flatwoods monster? And somebody turned up and they'd got like a wire coming out the bottom of the leg Jesus. the sock so it looked like they were they were wired up to something I'm trying to think if that's Flatwoods Flatwoods monster one of the witnesses afterwards not sure oh, wow I, I hadn't heard that yeah but that's that's definitely one of the stranger ones because he just turns up in the middle of nowhere talks to him and then he disappears this car with no lights on just come picks him up and drives off yikes I remember I, I was I found this uh couple different uh, Instagram accounts that aggregate stories from places mm. and they're not all paranormal but um, one of them is asking someone people if you live in the a rural area what's something that's particularly creepy not necessarily paranormal but creepy and the one thing people have said is that, that just surprises them most of all and, and scares the shit out of them is you will be somewhere where you absolutely do not expect to find anyone else and then some stranger will just come walking out of the bush, pass in front of you, and then walk into the bush on the other side, and they're <laughs> gone. And I just... Yeah. The only thing worse than being alone in the woods is not being alone in the woods. 
So, um, yeah, Carolyn, I, I, we don't really have an answer for you. I mean, no one really seems to have a clear idea of what the plaid people are, yeah. but, um, I do suggest listening to some of Timothy Renner's show because I, it sounds like he's really spent a lot of time digging into this and actually interviewing people. Mm. And so I, I imagine if anyone's going to arrive and get an answer, it, it would be him. Yeah. The overalls is unusual as well. It's usually just a shirt, but not that's like a good a full, th- full sort of overall outfit. That is unusual. And the fact that I always like these where it seems they seem surprised that they're spotted as well. So there's a lot going yeah. on with this. Well, I was thinking about that because um, I, I think I may have slightly misread the email. Looking at it, I was sort of editing on the fly, but I be- believe she says red plaid button up under overall. So I'm thinking it's kind of like almost like a pajama onesie kind of thing. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I think. And Carolyn, you can, of course, correct me. But I'm kind of wondering, we've talked before about this notion that these things, we see plaid because we can't actually see what's there. Mm. It's the closest approximation to whatever we're seeing. And I wonder, given the unfinished nature of this guy's face, Mm. if there was more of him that was unfinished. Mm. And that's why it appeared as though he was wearing plaid all over himself instead of just one or two pieces of clothing. You know, he was kind of in the process of becoming. Mm. Yeah, so. hadn't fully formed. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then he, you know, ran off to drive in a demolition derby or <laughs> captain a Fortune 500 company. I don't know what they do, but. Chop some, chop some logs in a wood and terrify somebody else. Could be that. It might mm. even be the guy I once saw down on the beach who uh, had a perfectly kept plaid shirt that you know he only wore when he was going down to the beach to get driftwood and that's it (laughs) it's my driftwood shirt it is yeah this this is my manly shirt you know this is when i drive my truck the one day i drive my truck to go pick up sticks from the beach and i very neatly press it and put it back into the closet you know break in case of testosterone Yeah, it's like uh, Colin in True Detective. Tuesday is always his getting arsehole day. I don't think I remember that. When he gets picked up when they're interviewing him and he's got like 12 cans of lager and he said, well, you know, it's Tuesday. I always get smashed on a Tuesday. Oh, right, right. No, I loved that first season. Oh, it's, yeah, that that's perfect fucking television. Yeah. I've sort of come to appreciate things about season two, but... In terms of just note perfect from beginning to end, and I know I've argued, people have argued with me about the ending itself, like the very end, but I, I think the whole thing is, is perfect because I think it doesn't succumb to cynicism, which mm. would have been so easy to do. Yeah. You know, so uh, no, I, yeah, that's two votes for True Detective season one. Yes. Yes. I'll not talk about any of the others. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like they were able to, sh- that's right, folks, this is now the True Detective podcast. <laughs> I felt like they were able to at least suffuse the second season with a sense of mystery and dread. They just never delivered on the promise of it. That was because I felt like the, the photography of Southern California, this notion of poisoned places and, and broken people, you know, like it, it felt it felt interesting. It had a, it had like a vibe, but it just never did anything with it and had some of the worst dialogue. I, I like. Oh my, anyways, anyways, moving on, moving on. I, one last thing though, the, another perfect season of television, two perfect seasons of television, season one of the newsroom and season one of Scream Queens, both perfect seasons of television. Mm, a rare thing. Heroes season one as well. I have never seen Heroes. I got to watch that. 
just watch the first season. Okay. Don't watch anything else. Don't watch any of, any of the other seasons. Don't watch the reboot. Just watch the first season and pretend everything else doesn't happen. You heard it here first. Or maybe second. Maybe he's talked about it on his show. I don't know. But you heard it here now. <laughs> and now on with the stories. This contribution is from Ellis. This event took place around midnight to 1am on October the 20th, 2020. I know this because I'm looking back at the Discord messages to make sure I'm as accurate in my memory of that night as possible, as well as to find the dialogue between me and my then partner as I tried not to freak out. I had settled into bed for the night, aimlessly scrolling through YouTube for something to fall asleep to, when I heard something to my right. I shared a bed with my then partner, whom we'll call Dakota, and both she and our roommate, we'll call her Emma, were in the living room chatting or playing video games. The head of the bed was set against the middle of the left wall looking in from the door. On the same wall as the door, closer to the head of the bed, was a cut-out closet cluttered with baskets of blankets and hanging clothes. My side of the bed is the right side, closer to the door, right next to the closet, about where the sound was coming from. It was the sound of breathing. Something, or someone, was mouth-breathing like a zombie with a stuffy nose, so loud I could hear it over my own. I'd say I'm a logical person, but that may be giving myself too much credit. My partner and roommate are starter witches, Emma having always been able to see and sense things, and Dakota just finding it interesting. I dabble in it, because lighting candles and talking to trees is cheaper than therapy to deal with my religious trauma, which the podcast has also helped with. Thank you. This sometimes spurs on activity, or things that seem like activity, until I put a magnifying glass to it, which will probably bring you guys more stories in the future. Regardless, though, my point is that I don't just jump to conclusions about this stuff. So I isolated in my mind and in my ears any sound my roommates were making from the living room, which wasn't much since it was on the opposite side of the house, and anything loud enough to get to me was erratic and not a steady low rhythm like the breathing I was hearing. Maybe somehow, even though it's louder than me and lower than my tone, it was actually my breathing and I was confused. I held my breath for a moment. It continued in the same low, steady thrum. That was not me breathing. The most terrifying part about it was that it didn't go away. I've had hallucinations from too little sleep before. A shadow spider crawling on a pillow, even exploding head syndrome drifting and rising from sleep. And besides the fact that I was not as sleepy as I have been when these crop up, usually once after they startle me fully awake and the adrenaline starts pumping, they fade away or just cease. This breathing never stopped, and I was wide awake. I could stop focusing on it, it was quiet enough for that, but if I wasn't specifically tuning it out, it was just there. Always going, not quite close enough to the edge of my awareness for me to just ignore it completely. I honestly didn't immediately think I should prepare for a ghost, take up a crucifix and rosary, and start singing hymns and whatnot, 
It was so clear and real that I thought it was an honest-to-God human being hiding in the closet, or Lord help me, under the bed. I went out of the YouTube app and onto Discord and typed to my roommates what was happening. I was in fight mode, so I told them to get a weapon and not to make comments so not to alert the possible intruder that I knew they were there or I was bringing backup in. Again, I thought this was a real human in the bedroom about to kidnap me. I even kept pretending to type to no one to dissuade an attack, since in my mind at least, if a potential victim has easy access to a phone, it'd be easier to alert friends or authorities that something's wrong. Now Dakota and Emma, as more spiritual people, had sensed an entity in the room across from the bedroom in that general end of the hallway, and had done a sort of cleanse earlier in the evening. All that to say, they first brought up that it may not be human. I didn't care either way, I just wanted to be not left alone with this mouth breather in my PJs. They eventually got to me, and the breathing stopped at some point, either as or before they entered the room. Emma was with her pocket knife, Dakota with a fucking shotgun. But every time I think back at how clear and relatively loud it was in my ear, the dread that pulled in my stomach as it didn't go away still creeps me out. I don't know really what it was, but it was one of the scariest things I've ever experienced. Possibly the closest experience I've ever had, and I just thought I'd share it. Now, since I took a week to get this email out to you, I'm also going to include something else that's been happening, and if nothing else makes it on the show, I would appreciate at least your guys' advice on what this could mean. Averaging once a month for the past six months, there have been mutilated animal corpses in our yard or on our porch. Now there are neighbourhood cats that roam about, but we're not the ones that feed them, and we barely even pet them because we've recently been trying to get rid of a flea problem. Emma had a cat, and Dakota has a corgi in the backyard. No other houses are having this problem, not even the house that feeds them that I typically walk past. I know because I see no disemboweled squirrels or eviscerated birds on their lawn. Besides the sheer number of carcasses in such a short time leading us to believe it may not just be cats being cats, the remains have been just odd, in that we have had a basically full squirrel skeleton and skin just sitting there for weeks, whereas another squirrel had just disappeared aside from the skull. One bird, it looked like a cardinal based on the colouring, seemed to be decapitated and yet still moving slightly for so long that I took a three minute video of it and one bird, a blue jay, was found dead, though mostly unscathed and together when we found it. And then it was moved from underneath a bowl that was weighed down by rocks, none of which were disturbed, and literally never touched by the cats. It stayed together for a few days we left it there, and in that time no cats ate it, or even moved it an inch. I feel like at least some of that can't be chalked up, to just the strays taking a liking to us. So thank you, Ellis. Um, in terms of the uh, the mutilations and and the birds, I honestly don't know. I mean, all I can figure is maybe one of the pets, if they're outdoor pets, or maybe get into things. I I'm kind of mystified by that. I don't necessarily think it's anything sinister because it's not happening. I mean, once a month isn't terrible, you know. I mean, obviously it is if you're the squirrel. But I, I guess with me, because I have two cats, when dead things turn up, I just think, okay, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of my cats once fetched, once fetched a blackbird in the house, and it wasn't dead. Oh, that that happened recently to us, actually. 
That's fun at 8 a.m. That's when it happened to us, too. <laughs> I was in the bathroom, and I hear this cheap, 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 and I thought, hang on, that shouldn't be in here. <laughs> and then I hear Nikki, and I poke my head out, and yeah, she's chasing around this bird that one of the cats brought in, and it's hopping around. And the cat's just sitting on the bed like a furry little asshole watching the show. <laughs> is that basically what happened with yours? Uh, yeah, and it obviously was was playing dead, and uh, and then we basically had this bird just flying around the back room, shitting. Oh everywhere. God! Open the door, and I'm running around with like a blanket, <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to get it out of the door. And it took about five minutes because it's like, no, go out, get out, save yourself. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to help Stop you. Stop being a dick, feathered asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah not where i need before my weetabix yeah no kidding well it's good you, you know you want to carb up after that so <laughs> yeah absolutely actually speaking of animal carcasses before we go back to the letter i had this thing happen the other day the other night so i, I woke up on the couch about two in the morning and i always sit not always quite often i'll sit just in the in the dark with the red led lights on so i wake up in the dark getting ready to go to bed and all of a sudden I step on something slimy and squishy. Mm. And I look down and I've stepped on a, on a slug. Lovely. In my barefoot. Yeah. So that was, that was a hoot. So I, I, I deal with that, wipe my foot off, throw away the, what remains. And I walk into the bedroom again thinking, oh, finally I'm going actually to bed properly. What is that on the, f- is that, that's a dead rat. <laughs> that's a dead rat. The problem is this whole time I'm naked <laughs> and now I have to dispose of the corpse outside. Mm. Well, our bal- we have the balcony that goes right out to the lawn, but of course, you know, I'm not wearing anything. So I, I had to like wrap the, 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 the shears around my middle and lean out the patio door <laughs> and kind of fling, the, you know, like trebuchet the corpse into the, into Fly, the garden. my pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To let nature take its course. It was a, it was a weird night, Paul. It was a weird mm. night. So Ellis, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I mean, the fact that it was never touched or it was moved underneath the bowl. I mean, that is weird, especially when the bowl's weighted down. I, it's, it's really hard to say. I, I'm, I wish I had more to, more to offer there. Keep us informed. Yes. Yeah. Let us, uh, yeah. Keep us updated. If anyone starts writing messages in blood, you've got a real problem. <laughs> This story comes from Ariel. Hi guys, I just listened to the new episode about the Aurora Borealis noise slash sound. I heard the same noise in New Jersey, in Morris County. One morning when I was getting ready for work, about 5, 5 5.30 in the morning, I heard that same noise out of nowhere. It passed after a few seconds, but I was terrified. I'd never heard that noise in person before like that, and even asked my mom if she had heard it because she was up. She hadn't. It brings my anxiety to the roof. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't sound of this earth. I have another story. Recently, we had a big family party, more like a family reunion, to celebrate Argentina winning the Copa America. Is that right? Copa America? Yeah, yeah, it's the South American football tournament, and congratulations to them. Oh, there we go, okay. Even as young adults, me and my cousins still ended up doing the usual, which was going down to whoever's basement and geeking out on video games. It had been a few years since we got together, and my cousins, even the younger ones, are all grown up now. And out of nowhere, my 18-year-old cousin, Aristides, pulled out a bong from his backpack, and my other cousin, Mikey, busted out two blunts. Now the party was going to get started. 
Somehow we got on the topic of creepy stuff. My cousin's old house in Bayonne was pretty haunted. Back in the day, there was a business that burned out underneath their place. I've heard Bayonne is creepy all on its own, but that, that's just me. I don't know anything about it. I was just told that. They had two to three creepy stories, but the one that got me most happened to Mikey. He said that one day he woke up in the middle of the night, around two to three in the morning, for no particular reason. His brother Matthew shared the same room, but out of nowhere, a few minutes after waking up, he heard this noise, which was also accompanied with a vibration of some sort. I should also mention that Bayonne is an inner city place, so if this noise was so loud, how could no one else hear it? It was a long, eerie, dark, ominous sound of some sort, almost like the devil's horn. If you've ever seen As Above, So Below and got to the part where they ran into the Grim Reaper and heard the horns, he said it was like that, but five times worse. That it was so loud, but only he heard it. Everyone else was asleep in the house, so how the hell is something that loud not waking anyone else up? I mean, I slept through an earthquake, so I guess it's possible. And, uh, Ariel, I also have slept through an earthquake, so, you know, twinsies. Um... <laughs> I'll never forget that morning. I think it's, we, I talked about it on an old, old episode, but I woke up with a tsunami warning on my phone from the national, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> well, prepare. And I'm, oh, okay. Well, that was half an hour ago. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a finally, t finally honed survival instinct right there. <laughs> it is a weird thing. Cause obviously we very rarely get them here in the UK. Um, of course. And I was awake when. Uh, one of our biggest ones, we were, I think it was a 5.2. Oh, okay. So, yeah, piddling in the scheme of earthquakes. And um, that was very odd because what I noticed first was this noise that went, yeah. and it was like a horn being wound up, like an old air horn. Right. And then the next thing, because I was on an office chair, I just went, woo, across <laughs> 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 the bedroom, went, woo. Like that, and everything started shaking. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, <laughs> and it was an earthquake at one a.m. just after one a.m. Oh man! Yeah, great fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Errol, I, that's really interesting. I, again, I'm, I'm, I was joking a little bit about Bayonne. I've heard Bayonne is kind of an interesting place. I've, I've, my experience of New Jersey is very, very brief. You know, I, I stayed in Elizabeth. New Jersey, I think once, uh, you know, on the highway and I passed Camden once on the freeway. And I think that's literally the extent of my, my involvement with the garden state. But, um, I do that, that whole horn of God noise we've talked about, you know, that, that I'm sure it like the big ones, the ones people, everyone's, everyone hears so that must be atmospheric. But when you have a situation where only one person hears it, that really throws things for a loop. So I, I don't know. I will say, have you seen As Above, So Below? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it. I was surprised. Mm, yeah. For a for a found footage film, it was it was much better than expected. Yeah. Occasionally, that that format does bring out a good one. Willow Creek's another one. Oh yeah. That the ending of that film freaked me the hell out. Oh yeah. Oh, that's that's a hell of an ending. Yeah. I was listening to him being in. Um, Bobo was on Into the Fray recently. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. obviously he's got to know Bobcat through because he's, oh, cool. he's really good friends with Cliff Barrickman, strangely enough, oh, okay. Bobcat. And uh, I know he turned up on an episode of Finding Bigfoot once. 
<laughs> which was quite surreal. And um, he was saying the end, the last 45 minutes, they didn't actually tell the actors in the tent what they were going to do. Oh. So all that, all that fear that they're going through and all their reactions is actually genuine because they had no idea what he told the other people outside the tent to start doing. Oh, shit. That would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that explains a few things. Yeah. Yeah. thought that was really interesting. So yeah, Willow Creek, folks. If you want a, uh, a creepy found footage movie about Bigfoot, Willow <laughs> yeah. Creek. Yeah, get through the first half, and then it's it's uh, it's a wild ride towards the end. It's always funny when shit's like that. I just watched a movie yesterday. I took a little break from work, and I watched the 75-minute martial arts film from Japan called Hydra. <laughs> and it is literally an incredibly, incredibly fast and well-executed final fight in search of the rest of a movie. <laughs> uh, Ariel, again, thank you so much for sharing. And if it happens again, if it happens again, you know, let us know because it's such a mysterious phenomenon. And, you know, I- I've mentioned before, you know, I've had nightmares about that sound. And I read uh, a book called Wounds. It's a collection of short stories about sort of the, the place where hell overlaps with real, the real world. And it pops up in there. And so it's, it's just, it's very much a part of, I think, of our sort of like mass unconsciousness. I just don't know, or a collective consciousness. I say, I just don't know where it fits. Our next story is from Annam. I have sent a couple of stories before, and I was just listening to your latest episode, The Goodbye Ghost. This reminded me of two instances when my family have had similar experiences. One was just after my little brother was born. He's eight years younger than me and we had just moved into a bigger house to make room for now four children. We had no furniture yet, so we were sleeping in the living room. My mom was sleeping on the couch with my baby brother, who was just a week old at the time. She said she must have been in a dreamlike state from exhaustion when she saw my grandfather walk in through the front door. He walked up to my brother, kissed him on the forehead, and walked back out. She said it was the noise from the kiss that woke her up, but when she got up, no one was there. She said that he was wearing a white cloth wrapped around him, probably what he was buried in as the tradition, and there was a light emanating from him. My grandfather had passed away four or five years earlier in Pakistan. He had always wished to join us in Chicago and loved us very much. Sadly, he passed away very young when I was around five years old. I find it interesting that my mum saw Dad's father coming to greet my brother, and not her own father, who had also passed on around the same time. That makes the story more believable to me. Another time my family had such an encounter was just after my grandmother had passed away in 2018. My mum and sisters told me that they were in a car driving somewhere, and were all talking about how much they missed my grandmother, and it was a very sad atmosphere. Suddenly, they smelt a very strong incense. It was the smell of incense sticks burning that my grandmother loved and would burn often, especially on a Friday. They all couldn't believe it, and since they were in a car, found it impossible that the smell could be coming from anywhere in the car or out on the road. There were no houses nearby, and they were driving past a sewage plant. They are sure it was my grandmother trying to provide some much-needed comfort and love to them. Thanks for this beautiful episode. I always look forward to Tuesdays, and you guys make my week way more enjoyable. I've been listening for a couple of years now and your emphasis on mental health and healthy relationships 
has gotten me through some tough times after the end of a very tumultuous four-year relationship to many more episodes. And thank you, Anam. That's that's really beautiful stories and, and mm. the, the kind words really are very, very nice. You know, it, it makes me think of the, the fact that it wasn't the person coming to, vit, uh, to, to meet them that they expected. Whenever we see that, I'm always really interested. And I, I think it speaks a lot to what we talked about on our interview with Paranormality Magazine, mm. where that notion that of, of sort of a connection and soul groups and the idea that the people we're connected to sort of under the skin are not necessarily the people we most commonly associate with in life. Yeah. You know, and, and I know, you know we've talked before about how that's kind of threatening because we have these very staid and traditional notions of what love is, you know, which doesn't really leave, I think, a lot of room for platonic love. Mm. And um, there's actually this film critic. Um, I really admire her writing. Her name is Jordan Cruciola. And she writes a lot about the, like the, the nature of platonic love and mm. how we don't put enough emphasis on that. And we don't sort of value that enough. You know, so many people kind of, it's like speaking of, of toxic relationships, so many people, and I'm sure you've experienced this and, and you know, people who've done this, they just disappear into romantic relationships. Mm. They, they lose themselves and yeah. they lose connections with their friends. And it's such an unhealthy way to be, mm. you know, and, and, but when, and when a romantic relationship ends, they mourn that, but they don't mourn the loss of a platonic relationship the same. Yeah. And they don't kind of respect the the power of platonic relationships. You know, mm. like I say, you just kind of stop seeing your friends, not thinking, what does that mean for me? You know, yeah. like, is that, is that like n not fully acknowledging or allowing yourself to acknowledge what a loss that is? Yeah. It is, it is interesting that you'll, you come across people like that who are able to switch it off essentially and just vanish from the face of the yeah. earth. Um, and it's, it's, it's a strange it's a strange thing, I have to say. I've I've noticed it a few times in in my life that, um, and not just including myself, to other people who have had friends who have basically met somebody and then just vanished. Yeah, <laughs> completely just gone. Right? What? Well, stop doing everything. It's weird. Welcome to the relationship, guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th thank you again, Autumn. And I'm happy we we that there's something in the show that you find rewarding, and uh, we're great, certainly grateful to have you. This next set of stories is from Jillian. First off, my family very much believes in all things paranormal, so if you saw a ghost in my mom's house, we would give it a name. My mom has always dabbled in witchcraft, and I have been into the craft basically most of my life. I've been told that I'm extremely sensitive to paranormal activity and would be considered what some call an empath. Here are my stories. 1. The first time I saw a ghost, I was about 4 years old. We were staying with a family friend in McAllen, Texas, while my parents separated for a short time. I woke up late at night to go to the bathroom, and as I walked down the hallway, I noticed there was a light from the TV. Being a typical four-year-old, I was curious who would be up so late, and so I went to investigate. As I walked into the living room, I saw a strange man sitting in a chair watching TV. I didn't know who he was, and knew he wasn't living there, but thought he might be a relative of my mom's friend so I headed to the bathroom and then back to bed. The next day, I asked my mom's friend about the old man who was visiting, and she gave me a strange look, telling me no one else was there except my mom, sisters, and myself. I told her what I saw, and even to this day, I remember the scared look on her face. 
Much later in life, my mom told me I described the man who lived there before my mom's friend. And mm. it, it, there are a couple stories. I, I think I just had one on Book of the Dead, which is one of our patron shows, where you know, a little kid just kind of points and goes, oh, him. And there's no one there. You know, <laughs> who's that man? And they think, well, we're moving. <laughs> yeah. it's. Um, I always find things like that quite interesting because have, have, have people moved into a new property and un, unbeknown to them, have they placed the furniture where something wants it to be? Oh, interesting. Because I find it peculiar that they, he would, a spirit would, go, oh, they've moved the settee over there. Hmm, I'm not too sure about that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and so he, he seems to be comfortable in his surroundings because that's probably what he did. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I know some places, especially, for example, the apartment that, that we live in, you know, these buildings are kind of set up a certain way. Mm. So when you stand outside and look at the look at the, the windows, you can see at least, you kind of see most people say have the television on one wall. Mm. And, you know, the couch against another wall because it's where all the hookups and shit are. Yeah. But, um, I do, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you wonder if there is sort of also a subtle influence from the other side to do that. Yeah. Paranormal interior design. There's a show here. <laughs> Murder house feng shui hunters. <laughs> Paranormal possessions. That's way better. See, this is why, this is why you're going to be my producer. <laughs> Secondly. After living in Texas for a few years, we moved to Southern California and a little suburb called Bellflower. The condos we lived in always gave off the feeling that you weren't alone, and consequently, I didn't like being there by myself. I wouldn't take the trash out after dark because where the dumpsters were, it always felt like I was being chased up the stairs, and every now and again, I would catch the glimpse of what I perceived to be an older woman. When I was in my teens, we were told that before the condos were there, an old lady lived alone in a larger house on the lot that caught fire, and she died. I've tried to find out or I've tried to find out if this info was correct, but haven't found anything yet. I remember my grandfather's my grandparents' old place. There was a spiral staircase going from the main floor up to the bedrooms, mm -hmm. and I always was convinced there was someone coming up behind me because you had to turn off all the lights, and so there's just this sea of blackness. And you're coming up the stairs and I always had this notion like, okay, shit, here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a few, I, I used to, um, I ran a club for a bit, which had some ghosts and we had a few interesting incidents there. And that was one of them that you had to set the alarm and then walk through the whole nightclub. Oh no. We just sort of, um, LED lighting on and, and, and sort of things that just said exit and <laughs> that uh. was it. And that was, that was the kind of, oh, I'm just walking very quickly. <laughs> yeah, this is normal pace. I'm walking normal pace. Just burning You're some scared. extra calories. Yeah, not good. Put a spring in oh, your step, man. shall I say. So now I got to know, you got you to tell me one of the things that happened in the nightclub. Uh, one of the best, well, not one of the best things. One of the worst things that happened was that one of my co-managers, we had a lift that went from the cellar up to, it was like four floors. So the bottom floor was a cellar and then there was a bar, cafe bar. And then there was the first floor of the nightclub. And then there was the top floor of the nightclub and the lift went into the VIP suite. And okay. um, this one particular night, we'd only got the ground floor of the nightclub open uh, in the week just to sort of um, 
maintain security and you know just not open because it had like seven bars so it was just a waste of time and money um, right. depending on the, the time of week and um so she'd gone from the vip room uh to the cellar to get some stuff and uh the lift stopped in the cellar and it, oh. the door wouldn't open oh. and it wouldn't go up and uh the alarm bell wouldn't work nothing and then all of a sudden she started hearing (laughs) and she was stuck there for 40 minutes listening to something crying oh man and when she came out she was a wreck she was an absolute wreck and she would never get in that lift on it on her own ever again holy shit it's a wonder she didn't quit yeah it was it i mean she was genuinely I mean, because sometimes you think pulling your leg and whatever, but she was genuine. She was shaking when she came out of the lift. She was out and she was oh, white. Man. She was she was a real, real mess. She was really shaken up by what happened. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the one that sticks. I mean, there were loads of stuff. I remember once <laughs> I was in the cellar and the cellar was on like a an incline from the top. Right. Not, not much, but enough to, but if you roll, you know. So I got some massive barrels, like a 36-gallon barrel. Um, and I was at the bottom end and I was just fiddling about doing stuff. And, um, all of a sudden I heard this cling and I turned around and this enormous barrel had basically gone from one end of the cellar to where I was on its side. So it had rolled massive full oh. of beer as well. And it Jesus. just gently clang into the wall whereas if you let a barrel go normally it will just because <laughs> of the momentum sure, and the yeah. weight and it yeah, smash sure. into the wall because obviously you know that would happen when you're working in a cellar because occasionally you, you know because these are heavy things yeah. um and uh sometimes you'd lose your grip and they just spin out of control or whatever and it just and i just turned around and went Right, <laughs> Finish, finished off and thought, right, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and never bye. think about this again. And I always used again. to say bye when I left the cellar, okay. even though I was on my own. Bye. Right. But may as well. I mean, at that point, something's either looking out for you or you know, giving you gentle warnings. So yeah, may as well yeah. try and make friends with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. Huh. Did you ever get a sense of who or what it was? Um. No, I mean... <laughs> And we had someone who had apparently got psychic abilities who came round. Right. You seem very impressed by this. Uh, anybody could have walked around saying what, yeah. Somebody died here. Oh, it, it was awful and all that. And, and obviously. Oh, very general stuff. I just did some digging. And eventually we did find out that somebody had died but it wasn't what they described and it didn't happen in the way they'd said it had and it didn't right. involve broken hearts no. <laughs> the old so, yeah. broken heart routine yeah 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 if you're going to create something remember about newspaper archives because if you claim something and someone goes and finds out that what you've said is nonsense then you're probably not going to be invited back yeah, this is this is what we might call a blow to your credibility. Very much so. <laughs> Jesus. All right, I guess we're still in the middle of these, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Number three. This is a story from my early 20s. My boyfriend at the time had a really good friend named Billy, and he quickly became one of my closest friends. 
Billy had a hard life, and he told me numerous times he wouldn't live through his 20s. One day, on the way to our house, he was shot and killed, and our group of friends were beyond devastated. Two nights after he died, he came to me in a dream. We walked down the street I was living on. He told me to tell everyone that he was okay, for us not to cry anymore for him, because he was finally free. We hugged, and I told him I was going to miss him, and said goodbye. When I woke up the next morning, I felt like a weight had lifted off me, and I felt happy. I told my boyfriend what happened in the dream, and he broke down, telling me he knew that Billy would visit me first. And that's, I, I, again, I love stuff like that just because I know what a weight grief can be and to be free of that in any amount is a gift from fucking God. Yeah. This is my fourth story and I'm going to jump way ahead to tell it. I had my daughter when I was 30 and from the time she could look at objects, she would always laugh and talk to thin air. One evening we were walking into our driveway when she asked me who the new lady was. I told her that that's probably just Johanna, our elderly neighbour, and my daughter told me, No, Mummy, that's not Johanna, that's a new lady. Then she pointed to thin air. Needless to say, I rushed us into the house. That seems like the appropriate response. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always that wonderful aspect of toddlers, I think, probably up until they're about five, six. they, they, They seem to have this kind of ability. And um, people go, oh, they're just imaginary friends. But I, that doesn't sound like it's an imaginary friend because it's a whole new, oh, look, there's somebody new there. I don't know who that is. And that seems a remarkable statement for a child to make rather than, yeah. oh, it's my friend Steve or, or Simon or, or Sarah or whatever. Yeah. I, I know a friend of Nick's back in England, and I may have mentioned this before, when, when her kids were tiny, the one boy had an invisible friend, but... I want to say it was a, it was a Japanese name, mm. like Akiko mm. and something like that, or, 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 you know, Yukio, like it, it was a, it was a Japanese woman's name Yeah, and he had, they had no idea where it was coming from. Like, and, and they, they, because these people are, they're terrible. I'm not going to get into it. They're terrible, but um, like they're, they're not bad to the kids. They're just dumb. Mm. They're, they're, yeah, we'll leave it there. Uh, I mean, I doubt they're ever going to listen to this, but. They just wrote it off. They said, oh, it's, it's an invisible friend. Odd that he would have such a, because he was, again, four, four, three or four or something like that. So this three or four-year-old busted out this, this Japanese woman's name and kept referring to her as an, a, like a slightly older woman was odd. But they just, yeah, we're not even interested. And they just kind of moved on from it. But I think this went on for a couple of years. I always like the ones where the, where the kids get really into it and they demand that a place is set at the table for them and things like that. That's, that's a whole new level, I think. Oh, you Christ. Yeah. I, that, that, I don't even know how I would deal with that. I'm sure there's some enterprising therapist out there who could tell us what you do in those situations, but yeah. Yeah. At what point is it harmful? Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, and then you get the ones, um, I mean, there was a wonderful, uh, internet post, I think it was on Reddit a couple of years ago and it was parents saying, Oh, these are the pictures my the kids are drawn of their imaginary friends and some of them were just downright terrifying <laughs> oh i've never seen that i'll have to look it up oh i'll see if i can dig it out and and you know there's like people with covered in blood oh people with axes like a rabbit person who lives in a wall <laughs> yeah no thanks <laughs> there was a thing it was a one of those um like weird things of reddit i came across and it was this guy said he was leaving a, uh, what was it? He randomly saw this little kid 
that looked familiar to him, but he didn't recognize him. And the little kid said to him, when I was you, I used to bite people. And this guy said when he was, I think this is how it went. Again, I might be getting it a little bit incorrect, but this guy said, yeah, when I was a little kid, I had a problem with biting. Is that like a possession? I couldn't even begin to guess. Like, it's situations like that. And I think we don't hear about those very often because they don't slot into anything very easily. Yeah. And it's situations like that where my brain starts to break down trying to imagine exactly how all this threads together. Mm. Mm. Because that that just, it defies easy categorization. I mean, a guy could have just been bullshitting too, but but if, if it's legitimate, then yeah, it, it's either an incredible coincidence or the world is very, very different from how we understand it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that for me is is quite a remarkable story because that doesn't fit into something because normally it'd be like, oh, I used to have a friend. It, it, it'd be his imaginary friend that came back or whatever. Yeah, Not that's it. when I was you. What? What do you mean when you were me? God, get out. Get on. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. That's right. <laughs> Bucket of holy water. Get out of here. Sage grenade. <laughs> now there is a, something we can market. <laughs> Palo Santo dart gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Water pistols with holy water if you don't want to get too close. As I'm saying, like big super soakers, just pump it, you know, <laughs> hit them from 30 feet away. Yeah, nerf that. <laughs> All right. And finally, number five. I worked at an Elks Lodge as a bartender in my late 20s. This place just felt haunted. I was a closing bartender on weekends and to close down, you made sure everyone had left before you locked all the doors. There were two doors, one after another, with key cards to get into each one. They made a distinct buzz and click when you opened each door. One night, after I'd closed down and locked all the doors, I started counting the registers and was at the one furthest from the center of the room when I felt like I wasn't alone. I looked up and saw an older gentleman walking across the dance floor towards the restrooms, but the moment he got to the edge of that dance floor, he disappeared. I got really uneasy, counted and cleaned as fast as I could while looking over my shoulder the whole time. The next day, I asked my father-in-law if he had ever heard of anyone seeing something in the building, and he didn't believe in ghosts, but said that numerous older members had mentioned seeing an older man in the main room downstairs, and some believed it was a member who'd had a heart attack years before I worked there. And I always like those ones where it just happens over a specific length of, of, yep. of, of area, there it walks 20 yards and then just goes. Yeah. He was a king of that dance floor, Paul. May have been one of the legendary disco ghosts. So that, thank you very much for that, the, all those stories, Jillian. And you did say you have more stories, and if you'd care to share them, we would absolutely love to hear them. Our final story is from Jennifer. My name is Jennifer, and I was born and raised in Sacramento, California. All of my ancestors from my dad's side of the family come from way up in Modoc County in northeast California. There isn't much out there aside from several very small towns in Modoc, with populations of only a few hundred each. It is in one of these small towns that my story takes place, but I would rather not divulge the name of this town, since the motel I am referring to is owned by a distant cousin, and I would feel really bad about deterring people from staying there. This experience happened in the summer of 2021, after, I'd, uh, after I had made the six-hour drive to Modoc County for our annual family reunion. I am a single mother, 
divorced for many years with two sons. But this is the first year I have ever attended the reunion without my boys. One son was with his dad, and the other was working at his first summer job. Although my parents were driving their RV ahead and would be camping at the fairgrounds, I planned to stay at a local motel, owned and operated by one of my father's cousins. It is old and a little run down, but clean and well kept. I arrived in town ahead of most of the family on Thursday evening. After the long, exhausting drive on desolate roads through the high desert terrain with sketchy cell service, I was ready to get out of the car and stretch my legs. I went to the small motel office and was greeted warmly by my father's cousin, who was ready for me with a key, and told me that I would be staying in room four. I will never forget that room number. When I first tried to open the door, the key wouldn't turn in the lock until I did a lot of jiggling and forcing it, but at last it gave way. The room was small, dark and musty smelling, but that was to be expected, since it was a very old motel in a small town that didn't even have a McDonald's. The room had two beds on the left, a twin and a queen, and two armchairs on the right, with a table between them. The carpet was old but clean, and the comforters on the beds were an old worn-out western-style pattern, and they looked like they had been washed about a hundred times, and faded to a softer shade. I didn't stay very long when I first arrived, just long enough to set my luggage down and use the restroom. When I returned later that night, I noticed a group of three older men sitting in chairs chatting between my room and the room next to it. They said hello as I passed them, and I struggled with the door and the key once again before I was inside. At first, I was worried that the men would be noisy and keep me awake with their chatter outside my door. But by the time I finished showering and watched a little TV, they must have gone to bed because it was quiet. Although there were two beds, I chose the larger of the two because I thought I would probably want to stretch out and enjoy plenty of room. Before I go further, I would like to explain that I have never been a big believer of ghosts or anything supernatural. However, with all the stories I have heard on your show and from other people I have met, I have always kept an open mind and believe that there are unexplained things that do happen in this world that have no easy explanations. I have never had anything supernatural happen to me until this event. From the moment I entered that room, I never felt comfortable or warm and cosy. The room had a cold and unwelcoming feeling, despite the heat of summer. As I settled down to go to sleep, I felt an overwhelming sense of loneliness. You may think that this is because I am unmarried and I'm used to travelling with my boys, but this is not completely true. When my sons are with their dad, I often spend time alone and enjoy my own company. I am a very independent person and I have slept alone in different places on many occasions and have never felt lonely or uneasy until this night. It took me a long time to fall asleep, as it often does when I am in an unfamiliar place. I felt like I was in a sort of twilight sleep, between wakefulness and unconsciousness, when I felt someone in the room with me. I was completely out of it, and I felt that my mind was processing what was happening very slowly. I felt someone get into the bed beside me, the weight of that person pushing down on the mattress that I lay on. Then I felt that big, heavy body slide in behind me as I lay on my side. It wasn't until I felt an arm with a big hand curl around my side that I awoke completely. 
I was jarred awake with a start and a scream, jumping to sit up on the bed. I turned on the bedside lamp, breathing hard with my heart racing, and tried to rationalise. It was just a dream, wasn't it? There was no one else in the room, but it felt so real. I eventually convinced myself that I had just had a very vivid nightmare, and eventually turned off the light and tried to get myself back to sleep. I drifted in and out, tossing and turning, until I heard banging on the door. I sat up and froze. I couldn't even bring myself to ask who was at the door. Then the banging came again, harder, and someone started pulling at the doorknob and trying to force the door open. I screamed, go away, and that's when I came to the realisation that it was a nightmare, and I desperately tried to wake myself up. I thrashed my body side to side and felt a wave of relief when I was finally able to open my eyes and look around the room. There was no more banging, and all was silent, so I must have finally woken myself up. Suddenly, I heard a familiar voice. It was the voice of my 12-year-old son. I heard him say, Mom, are you all right? I rolled onto my side and saw my son laying on the floor between the two beds in a sleeping bag. I was so relieved to have my son there and not be alone that I reached out my hand to him as I lay in my bed and said, I'm okay. However, as I felt his hand clasp mine, I looked down at his arm and saw that it was covered in blood. I screamed once again and this time, I actually woke up for real. After slipping between these dreams, thinking that I was really awake when I wasn't, I wasn't taking any more chances. I turned on the lamp and forced myself to get out of bed and turn on every light in the room. I was shaking with fear and very unsteady on my feet, sweating. I turned the TV on and sat up in bed, terrified to let myself go back to sleep. Even with The Golden Girls, my favourite TV show on, I couldn't shake that feeling of absolute terror. There was something wrong with that room. I could feel it all around me. I am not a superstitious person, or one of those people who gets feelings about things at all. I'm usually incredibly logical and practical, but I couldn't think logically at that moment. I thought about getting in my car and driving to where my parents were staying. They had an extra bed that I could use in their RV, but it was very late, and I felt like such a fool. I was so worried that everyone would think I was being silly and dramatic. Suddenly, it occurred to me that the little twin bed in the corner had a much more welcoming feeling. I got up, pulled the covers back, and sat up in the twin bed. Instantly, I felt a little bit better, and I started to wonder if whatever negative energy was in that room was connected to the queen-size bed. In the end, I fell asleep with all the lights on in the twin bed. There is nothing like sunlight filling a room with light to melt your fears away. I have never been so happy to see the morning come. However, as I got up, went to the bathroom and did my hair and makeup, I still felt uneasy in that room. I couldn't wait to get out of there and go to my family. When I told my family my story that morning, my dad laughed it off, but my mother and sister, who are much more superstitious and easily scared, told me that they could not stay in that room another night. I surprised myself by agreeing with them and accepting my mum's offer to stay in her RV for the rest of the nights of our reunion. I kept my room to shower in and keep my luggage in, but I refused to sleep there. I know that some people will write this off as just a lonely night when I had some nightmares, but I know it was more than that. First of all, I haven't had a scary dream in years. 
it is pretty out of character for me. More importantly, every nightmare I had that night was about something happening in that room. They weren't about anything else, just terrible things happening in that room. It was also the feeling in that it was also the feeling in that room that persisted every time I was in there. The menace and the absolute and utter loneliness. That just doesn't happen to me. Lastly, the person getting into bed with me felt so real and it really didn't feel like I was completely asleep. If any of your listeners ever venture to Modoc County, I advise them to avoid room four in any motels there. Modoc is a unique, beautiful and interesting place and I plan to visit again, but I will never stay in that motel. Double dreams are never a good thing. I remember the first time that happened to me and I was so mad when I woke up because it seemed like such a fucking cliche. Mm. I was so mad that I'd had a double dream. It was just, it annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah. I've always been wary of them since American Werewolf in London. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. You start off in bed with, what was her name? And then Jenny Agatha. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) I knew you'd have it right at the tip of your tongue. (laughs) Yeah. And then the next thing is Nazi werewolves. Gets you every time. It's a tale as old as time, really. So th- thank you for sharing that with us, Jennifer. That was a really, really great story. And yeah. man, some rural, there's something about certain rural motels that can just do that to you. And, and I don't know if it's because they're just not well often used. And, and, you know, we talk sometimes about things that fill up the unused space or, or what, but mm-hmm. I remember I stayed the night in a place called Council, Idaho, yeah. which is this little town in, in sort of central East Western Idaho, if I remember correctly, sort of just mm. north of the Payette National Forest. And it was kind of like this. I mean, I didn't have the, uh, the ghost snuggling, thankfully, but I very much had like, uh, just this sensation that I didn't want to turn off the lights. Just, you want to stay there, sleep with your eyes, you know, like kind of put your, bury your face in the pillow, but make sure the lights stay on just in case. Yeah. I mean, beds are one of those things that when you delve into the world of the paranormal and haunted objects there are a surprisingly large number of experiences and stories that revolve around beds. Really? Mm. If you ever dive into the subject of haunted beds, then you, I think you, anybody will be amazed at how many alleged experiences there are. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense if you want to talk about something like imprinting, right? Because mm. you spend so much time in a bed. Yeah. Yeah. You probably spend more time in bed than any other part of your house, really. Yeah. Or in any yeah, other easily. part of furniture. So why wouldn't it imprint more? Never, a haunted bed never occurred to me, but yeah. But then of course you wonder, what is the criteria for making a bed haunted? Does someone have to die there? Do mm. they have to eat a particularly uh, enticing cheeseburger there? Like what is, <laughs> we just yeah. happen to watch the right episode of Law and Order you know, at, at the right moment and you just imprint on it? I, I, I don't know. Any, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure because it, it is one of those things because- I mean, I've heard a couple of stories about Haunted, but one of my favourites was on an episode of Haunted, which was um, Danny Robbins's first paranormal podcast series he did a few years ago. Okay, yeah. And he interviewed a lovely guy called Jim, who was a widower. Right. And he lived alone. And he'd bought this beautiful old cottage, lovely, lovely house. And he'd been there a while. And then he started to hear a shuffling in his bedroom coming from one corner, like somebody was wearing slippers and they were just 
shuffling over the carpet towards the bed. And then he felt the bed go down and the covers go back and this person got into bed and that was it. And then it ha began to happen every other night to the point that he just got so used to it, he actually began to think, began to feel quite comforted in it, that this, whatever this oh, was, was just coming to bed, <laughs> whatever huh. it was. And he was so matter of fact talking about it. Um, and they said, oh, well, you know, you, you, you're on medication because I think he'd got Parkinson's or he'd, uh, early, early onset Parkinson's. So okay. he had to have, take some medication. And he said, do you not think it's it's the medication? He went, no, nah, no. Nah. I said, because it's, it's, it's more than just sounds. I can feel things moving. And yeah, it only I was happens say, in the bedroom. That's a lot to happen from just, you know, I mean, obviously I don't know anything about Parkinson's medication, but that seems like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually it can cause addictive personality disorders. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a couple of people who became, and it brings out a variety of addictions. So, yeah, whatever oh, well, the worst had... thing you can imagine somebody can't stop doing. Okay, I do that. had no idea. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, partners, former partners, uh, father had it, and he became addicted to a certain type of pie. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, they had to go to special um, special groups to talk about their addictions. So, yeah, I heard some interesting stories about what other people... So, you know, being addicted to pies, we were, we were quite lucky about listening to some of the other problems that people had. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a bullet dodged. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And, and there's been a couple of stories about... I mean, I always love people who buy haunted beds and secondhand furniture shops, and then they just flog them. Like, oh, no, we don't want that. Send it on. Yes. <laughs> some, some, other poor, some other poor bastard. <laughs> Deal with this. That's what I would go. do, too. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, Sell it to a motel in Mordock County. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's one of those things. It's a, it's a very interesting thing because when you think, as, as we said, when you think about it, out of all the rooms in your house, it's probably the one where you spend the most time. And obviously you're asleep. Your brain's firing all kinds of things about. So who knows yeah. what the catalyst is to create that. But I, I would recommend if anybody really wants to dive into the – dive in or dive under the subject of haunted beds, then uh, yeah, you pull the quilt back on that subject and you'll be oh, surprised boy. what you'll find. All right. Well, with bed puns. <laughs> As we've descended into bed puns. Let's spring to something else. Oh, no. No. No, let's let's cover that back up. Put that back in the box. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. I, we can't tell you how much we love hearing your stories. We love getting your messages. Uh, again, you can reach us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. And in the C segment, we'll talk about other ways to get a hold of us. And also, um, we're recording this a little out of sequence, so I don't mention this in the C segment, but at the end of this show, I am going to put an episode of Book of the Dead, the latest episode, which is one of our weekly patron-only shows that is just uh, ghost, it's three ghost stories, no chat. So after the, uh, after the, the outro music, instead of outtakes this time around, you will hear an additional episode of Book of the Dead, and that runs just an extra 10 minutes. So you get three extra ghost stories for the price of, well, zero, I guess, but you get three extra ghost stories. So we will be right back with our Ghost Wars shoutouts and that episode. 
of Book of the Dead. there listeners before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button i promise you this isn't an ad we wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health on this show i've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help and when you start to feel like there's no help it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help. We're not going to try and talk you out of self-harming right now because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it and make a phone call or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well just how important mental health can be. It's never too late to reach out. In Canada, the number to call is 133-456-4566. In the USA, the number to call is 1-800-273-8255. In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT, that's S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 131114. However bad shit seems, it will pass. And no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, Please know that we've both been where you are, and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the Ghost Story Guys family, Luke, Anthony, and Sarah, for everything they do. Make sure to check out Luke's podcast, Luke Lore, which you can find wherever fine podcasts live. Uh, Speaking of podcasts, thanks also to my friend and co-host, Mr. Paul Bestel, host of the Mysteries and Monsters podcast. What's coming up on Eminem, Paul? Well, I think September, I might as well call it Sasquatch September, as <laughs> I have a collection of the great and the good in the world of Bigfoot coming up. So I've got quite a few, uh, a couple of people I've been wanting to speak to for years. Uh, I've got Doug Highcheck, who is the creator of Monster Quest. So I'm going to be a bit, try and not be too much of a fanboy. I was going to say that's a huge get because I know how much you love Monster Quest. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, obviously, Ron Moorhead's come back talking right. about his in- infamous Sierra sounds. I've got Michelle Soulier, who's just released a brilliant book called Bigfoot in Maine. Of course. Uh, which is a fabulous book. And I recommend anybody that's interested in cryptids to pick that up. And then we've got a couple of, um, I'm finally going to tackle animal mutilations or cattle mutilations, which is a subject we've never, ever covered on the show. But I've got Chris O'Brien, who is for me, probably the preeminent researcher in regards to that particular subject so yeah we've got some some juicy things coming up and where can people find you if they want to uh, check it out 
You can find us on all social media platforms, uh, Mysteries and Monsters, and my website is mysteriesandmonsters.com. Lovely. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Largely the Truth, and you can find my new podcast, Largely the Truth, with Brennan Store. I'm very creative. Everywhere find podcasts live. Episode two just came out, and I had a long chat with Lee Bennett. He's the lead singer from the band Riot at the Dojo, who we've played on the show before, and he's also a social worker who works in low and zero barrier housing, which, as he describes it, is a, a battleground for, uh, for guys like him, and he had a lot of very, very interesting things to say. So again, you can find that at, uh, well, again, Larger the Truth, Brennan Store, everywhere. Find Podcast Live. We're also on Twitter and Facebook as Ghost Story Guys, and we're on Instagram as The Ghost Story Guys. Now, before we get to how you can get in touch with us else otherwise, we promised you patron information, but even before that, it is time to thank Ghost Force. That's right. Every two weeks, patrons at the $20 level and above get a shout out here in these voices because we've committed to this bit by God and we're going to stick with it. There we go. It took me a minute to find the right level, but we're there now. Good thing it's the end of the show because this really hurts. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a supportive environment. I deeply appreciate it. Absolutely. Support your bros. It's important. The members of Ghost Force are... Atham Saragon. Alisa Kupila. Amanda Strong. Ashley Marcia. Christopher Kunes. Danielle Harris. Eric Abel. Hannah Brown. Hannah Siemens. Jackie McFarland. Jeanette Patterson. Jean Cubertino. Julia Lagubrius. Just Julie. Jenna Blackwelder. Kimberly Hansen. Karen. Lauren Michaud. Lumpy Rug. Mara Noriega Mark Simler Mary Rose WW Peter Gunn 08.5 Rebecca Brink Rhonda Sheen and Richard Easby You are the few You are the spooky You are Ghost Force Awesome Yeah Now hug each other Respect each other Support each other Yeah yeah. All right. Now it sounds like I'm getting off on it. We better stop. <laughs> For real though, guys, thank you so, so much. Huge thanks to all the members of Ghost Force. And if you want to find out how to be part of that insane roll call, you can <laughs> head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. Uh, now that me and Paul are actually watching each other on video, there may be little outtake, visual outtakes where you can watch what it looks like when we do that. And it's uh, a wonderful, insane tragedy. <laughs> but yeah head on over to patreon.com slash guys you get access to all kinds of cool shit you get weekly episodes of book of the dead which is just three ghost stories no chat minimum 10 minutes sometimes as much as 20 there's also host adventures which is a weekly sort of ramble about whatever's going on in my life you also get access to of course ad-free versions of the main episodes bonus content when it's available there's the month, at least monthly episodes of me and Paul, where me and Paul just shoot the shit about whatever's going on. This month, we've got a Q&A lined up, so we'll be recording that next week. And so much more. That doesn't even include the physical rewards that you get. So again, for all that stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story, guys. And if you've got a story to share, or you just want to get in touch and say hi, shoot us a message at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. 
And of course, if you don't feel like typing, you can always call the ghost line. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who are you gonna call? Ghost line. Call one triple eight five eight eight six nine two zero. Thanks to our listener Amber Pease for her ghost line jingle. Again, the number is one 888 or you can text at 925-553-4789. If you want to pick up any Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. There you'll find links to our Redbubble, Public, and Big Cartel stores where you can get t-shirts, mugs, pins, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff, signed copies of my book. If you can rate and review the show, we would very much appreciate it. You know, we are, uh, our per episode average, actually, I haven't told you this, Paul. But our, our per episode average has actually now gone higher than it ever has before. What can I say? Greatness will out. And yeah, that's fantastic news. Well done. Well done, you. Well, so. yeah. Well, I don't know why, why am I saying well done? <laughs> I'm so humble I don't count. <laughs> you count to me, goddammit. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, so that's very exciting. But still, again, tell your friends about the show. Leave us a five-star review. Um, we've, we had so many nice messages from folks. It, it's so hard to tell you how much that matters to us and, and how much we appreciate it. You know, whenever, uh, whenever I read the email and I see something nice, I always shoot it over to Paul. So he, he always sees your, your nice comments and I, I shoot him the shitty ones too, just so I can have someone to rant at. But, uh, those are, <laughs> there are very few of those, very few. Thanks to everyone who supported us so far. You, you guys are all the fucking best. You know, it, it, I never thought I would be in this position. And I am so grateful for it. And I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm grateful to be here with you, my friend. So, And likewise. Well, onwards into the future. And again, you can reach us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com or by calling the ghost line. Have you got any news? <laughs> I do. What a coincidence. Thank you for asking in such an organic and unexpected way. Yes. Well, you know, it's just so malleable. That's <laughs> it, it. You know, reality is what we make it. But mm. uh, yeah, we've got, we were interviewed by Michaela from Paranormality Magazine a couple days ago, and that'll be coming out in their October issue, which is so cool to to be the Halloween issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so, so looking forward to that. And it was a really great, really great chat we had with her. And that poor, poor woman, she thought she was going to get on the phone with us and have everything wrapped up in an hour. I love the optimism there. I must admit, I did chuckle when I heard the knock on the door. (laughs) Come on, love. Just hang up the phone on those two maniacs, otherwise they'll keep you on there all day, which is true. Keep an eye out for that in October, and please vote for us in the Paranormality Magazine Awards. You'll find a link in the show notes. We're up for Best Ghost Stories Podcast and Paranormal Podcast of the Year. And like I've said before, we're up against some heavy hitters who probably deserve it more, but by God, I want it more. So, vote for us, and uh, we will be, will we be gracious winners? Well, vote for us and find out. (laughs) (laughs) Vote for the only English person on the list. There we go. There we go. Absolutely. Other than that, I think just the usual lineup of, of guest spots. I was on The Grim Reader recently, episode 35, talking about my favorite crime novel and making up stories about communist pianos. And I was also on an episode of Adkins Undisputed, talking about the 2015 action film Zero Tolerance. If you have thought, geez, I wonder what Bren's like when he's nerding out over uh, mid-90s direct-to-video action movies, check out that episode of Ad- Adkins Undisputed because holy shit, we go deep into some stuff I guarantee you guys haven't seen. And it it was just a ton of nerdy fun. 
Yeah, I, I had a guest spot as well recently. Oh, of course, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I've appeared on uh, Monster Fuzz podcast. Very with, cool. Uh, Eamon and Rob. So we had a good chat there, usually about uh, alien black cats attacking innocent members of the British public. Uh, <laughs> or, or alien big cats that turn out to be next door's fat cat <laughs> and things like that. And also a spooky ghost from Ireland. So uh, that was good. And uh, defending my Bigfoot corner. So uh, we had a really good chat. So that episode should be flying about at the minute. And uh, and uh, obviously the surprising news that apparently I'm, I have the seventh best cryptozoological podcast in the world, apparently. I dispute that it's only seven, but yes. And we'll post a link <laughs> to that list in the show notes as well. Mm. So yeah, nice. Things are going well. All right. Our theme song, Radio Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him by searching for Pizzanta Music wherever you stream your tunes. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by searching for Hexagram wherever you get your music. That's Hexagram with two X's, not three. And I guess that's going to do it. Be another episode along in a couple of weeks. But until then, into the darkness we go. Rage fuels me, Paul. <laughs> Sorry. Boom. I went too early. Story of my life. Have we got a script? Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah I guess that would help. <laughs> kind of mentality, but these motherfuckers wouldn't know a stiff upper lip if it bit them in the ass. <laughs> the new superhero, fully squirrel skeleton. <laughs> Don't give him nuts. <laughs> in that. By the power of these nuts. <laughs> you leave your nuts out of this. Number four. Now that sounds shit. Number four. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh, <laughs> All right. Let me find the list. <laughs> Such was the depth of my voice there, I knocked something over. Too loud. <laughs> Basically. The power of Paul compels you. The power of Paul compels you. Yes. Well, whenever I say, as I say to anybody about this, you've always got to remember that my middle name is Damien. <laughs> Again, it all kind of comes together. Mm-hmm.